and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Our mission is to make government contracts better, one contract at a time. In today's episode, we're once again discussing different types of contracts. Join us and learn why winning an indefinite contract award might not be the win you're expecting. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today, we're going to talk about indefinite contracts. What is an indefinite contract? We are. Indefinite contracts sound confusing because you'd think that a contract is definite, right? So they can be confusing. And if you don't understand how they work, you can't forecast cash flow and you run into other problems. So it was worth investing our time in today. So before we get started, thanks for all the feedback. Some of the most listened to episodes include, you know, what is a CLIN? What is a competitive range determination? What is a small business set aside? So we're doing more of these because of the, the feedback we're getting. We plan to do more episodes that clarify the basics of government contracting down at the ground level. So thanks for telling a friend and spreading the word about the podcast and helping to make some of these episodes very popular. And so we know which ones to spend more time talking about like this one. Yeah, the the ground level is a good place to start because the government market can be very confusing. There's lots of terms that aren't used anywhere else. What are we talking about here? Indefinite contracts. We've already spoken in earlier episodes about contract types that balance the risk between the government and industry. So episodes 9 and 40 talk about that cost versus fixed price thing. Remember, fixed price is one extreme where the contractor has full responsibility for the costs. Cost reimbursement contracts, the government has responsibility for the costs. So here's the next layer on that. Contract types that deal with the execution. So this is where the indefinite contract thing comes in. You've already decided, or as part of this decision, you've talked about what type of contract it's going to be, whether it's fixed price or cost reimbursement or one of the in-betweens that we discussed before. Now we're talking about the situation where the exact times or the exact quantities of future deliveries or needs are not known when you award the contract. So you, you have an estimate of how many you'll need or how much you'll need, but you don't know the exact amount. This is where indefinite delivery contracts come in. So now we go back to far time. (laughs) FAR 16.5 is where indefinite delivery contracts are discussed. And there's three types that we're going to run over here. There's definite quantity contracts. There's a requirement contract. And there's indefinite quantity contracts. And we'll run through those in order, starting with definite quantity. How about that? Let's start there. Yeah, make it easy. (laughs) Easier anyway. So here's where I read the FAR. 16502 is definite quantity contracts. And what it says gives you the description. A definite quantity contract provides for delivery of a definite quantity, get that, of specific supplies or services for a fixed period with deliveries or performance to be scheduled at at designated locations upon order. So this is when you know you're going to need a definite quantity of either supplies or services during a certain period of time and you know that those supplies or services are regularly available or will be available with only a short lead time so give give me an example of that kevin uh let me pull one out here so 
say you have 5,000 medical kits. You know you need 5,000 medical kits, but the nature of how medical kits, you don't necessarily know when you're going to need them, right? But you know you're going to need 5,000. So you don't know exactly, you're going to need 500 this month, 500 next month, 1,850 the next month. But the idea is I'm going to send you an order when I need them. So I need 5,000 over the next year. And I'm going to send you an order for the amount that I need when I need them. And in this case, you're probably going to have a minimum order. Like I'm not going to ask for less than, say, I don't know, 10 or something like that. And I'm going to have a maximum order, which in this case probably would be the 5,000. So I may order 5,000 on day one. I may order 5,000 over the year. Or you may put the maximum at 1,000 because yeah. you know, 5,000 is too many for anyone to deliver all at once. But minimax, good point. Yeah, so that, that'll be included in there. But the idea is I know I need 5,000, just not sure when. So this flexibility allows for that. So, so the definite part is the quantity, hence the title, <laughs> the quantity <laughs> example. <laughs> so the next type is a requirements contract, and this is 16503, and I'll read this from the FAR. Oh, exciting. A requirements contract provides for filling all actual purchase requirements of a designated government activity for supplies or services during a specified contract period from one contractor with deliveries or performance to be scheduled by placing orders with the contractor. So give me an example. As to how is this different from the definite quantity? We're going to stick with the medical kit theme. So think about the, the same problem of I don't necessarily know when I'm going to need medical kits. However, in this case, you're saying I don't necessarily know I'm going to need 5,000. But when I do need them, I'm going to order them from you for the next year. So I'll send you and only you an order when I need them. And that's the, so the big difference there is that under the previous example, I said I need 5,000 in the next year. Don't know when they're going to show up. In this case, I'm saying don't know when they're going to show up. Don't necessarily know how many I need. But when I need them, I'm calling you. And that's a fun one because you think about it as the contractor. You're, you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to call me at some point in the next year. Okay. So it's a, it's a different animal to deal with. And it's still – requires the, the the government needs to state a reasonable estimate of how of the the amount of orders and a maximum quantity so it can't be it it can't be like hey we think we're going to order 5000 and then they place an order for 150000 right yeah there's there's still brackets around right. it That's right and there's a ceiling on these at you can't do a requirements contract for more than 103 million dollars which sounds like a lot but in some <laughs> some cases it's not it's $100 million wasn't enough. They had to round up to 103. So if you go above that ceiling, you'd have to write some type of de- determination of why you're doing that and probably get it approved up the chain pretty far. And there's a limitation on using requirements contracts for support services, for advisory and assistance services, or CETA for systems engineering and technical assistance contracts, uh, support contractors. There's a limitation, no more than a three-year contract and no more than $12.5 million. And I assume that those ceilings and that limitation, those are put in there because they must have been abused at some point. Nobody makes a rule until they're mad about something. <laughs> and that's why the FAR is so big. Let's move on to indefinite quantity. FAR 16.504 is indefinite quantity contracts. And it says... An indefinite quantity contract provides for an indefinite quantity within stated limits of supplies or services during a fixed period. So the government places orders for individual requirements and quantity limits can be stated as a number of units or dollar value. So give me an example of indefinite quantity, Kevin. 
So here's an interesting one. It, we'll get away from the medical kits and use something else. An example would be when you're managing a radar array. So this radar array is on the, the Atlantic Ocean, for example. It's next to the Atlantic Ocean because it's tracking, you know, say, space systems. Or so possibly on the coast of Florida. <laughs> for, for example, random example. And this thing needs to be maintained and repaired. And you know that it's going to need repairs. Now consider where it's sitting. Is it's, it's near the ocean, so it's going to have uh, issues with potentially if it's salt corrosion. It could have, be a storm. It could be lots of things. So your, your indefiniteness could be things like a hurricane blew through and the entire array got knocked over. I need you to fix that. Or it could be mm, one part's not working because it's corroded. Or here's my personal favorite. Um, it's not working. We're not really sure why. <laughs> Come check this Come thing out, out and make so, it work again. And that's an extreme example, but I mean, you can apply this to, to lots of different things. So the idea is when problems come up, I'm going to send you an order and we're going we're to work through this. So it could be in, the, the quantity limits may be stated in number of units or dollar value. So we say, all right, this is limited to, I don't know, $500,000 or whatever, you, but you're going to put brackets around this. But the indefinite quantity part is I don't know what I'm going to need you to do. But it's going to all be around fixing this radar system. So main, the, maintaining. There you go. Maintaining the the limits in the far for this. The government has to order a minimum quantity. So you, to have a contract, you have to actually order something. So the government might say, "For we'll give you five hundred dollars to do a maintenance checkup on the system first, and then the minimum satisfied." Kind of like you said, you have to state the minimum and maximum for each order, and the maximum that you'll order over a certain amount of time. And you can only use an indefinite quantity contract when a recurring need is anticipated. So you got to document that. So there's the three main types. Definite quantity, requirements contract, indefinite quantity. An, an interesting fact as we're, as we're thinking through this is that it's an indefinite quantity for a recurring need. You see the irony in that. And this is this is one of those thinking parts of government contracts is to say, well, we don't know how much we're going to need, but we're going to need it pretty recurring. That this is one of those contract types that if you think about the scenario when a contracting officer is trying to figure out, well, here's my problem, what contract type is going to allow me to have, this is a regularly recurring need, but I don't know how much I'm going to need. When should you be thinking about contract type? This is back to the acquisition time zones. This is the thinking part of the job. And remember, we've talked about selecting contract type is a matter of negotiation between industry and government and requires exercise of sound judgment on part of the CO. And that's straight out of the FAR again. Ding, 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 ding. Love that phrase. Contract type and contract prices are closely related. So you get the contract type right, you'll get the best price in most cases if you're the government. You're looking for a balance of reasonable risk and the greatest incentive for efficient and economical performance. So you should be doing this in the market research zone. In zone two, the market research zone, you should be talking to industry. Industry should be talking to government about what type of contract is best for this requirement. Now, you solidify that during the RFP zone, zone three. And for those of you who aren't familiar, if you're brand new to the podcast, go back and listen to podcast number three, which tells you all about the acquisition time zones. Let's talk about why this is important. Contract type is linked to execution. So selecting the right indefinite contract structure can make the execution of the contract, the administration of the contract, a really simple job. You get it set up right, you just have to 
issue an order and more stuff shows up without going through any type of bidding or source selection or posting or anything like that. It's because you already have a contract in place. I mean, think about that. Again, that's, that's, it's an easy concept to grasp once you understand why you set it up this way. Is execution is, it's, it's, it, in most cases, it's unilateral. It's almost instantaneous because you've got everything set up ahead of time. So from how to make government contracts go faster, this is a great example. And we've talked about this before. If you get the contract type wrong or do not optimally assign the contract type to it, you can screw up the program regardless of the technical performance. The administration of it can cause so many headaches that the program fails. So this back again, communication between the government and industry is essential to avoid any type of surprises after award. The government has to understand what their user is going to need in order to decide what type of contract, including what indefinite type. You have to understand how much they're going to need and when they might need it if you're going to pick a contract type like this. You have to under, also have to understand if you're the government, when are funds going to be available? Because you might need it, but if you don't have the funding, you can't place the order. Oh, there's that detail. <laughs> On the industry side... You have to understand whether you're capable of delivering per the contract. If, if, if the quantities required are more than your capacity, that needs to be figured out before the contract is signed, not afterwards. An, an example would be is if your production line only allows for 200 units a month and the contract says that the maximum order could be 300 units per month and the contracting officer, unless you tell them otherwise – they get an order for 300 units, they're going to drop unilaterally, drop that in your lap. And that is not the moment to say, oh, sorry, I can't do that many. <laughs> but that, that's why communication. So, and it's a, probably a stupid example, but it's happened. So just putting it out there <laughs> that being aware of those kind of things is the effective execution of these contract types requires a lot of communication and understanding of CLINs and that kind of stuff. Let's get specific. Why should the government care about indefinite contracts about contract type again we've talked about this a couple times before kevin contract type is that foundation it's it's the the base of the structure on which the results of your program are built the goal should be the least amount of administrative burden for everyone for the government and for industry if you get this right you can minimize that burden And the best contracting officers examine all the options available and then craft that perfect fit among the contract types that are available for that particular acquisition. I think I say that all the time. That particular acquisition, every one of them is different. And this is one of those moments where use the tools you have to get industry's feedback. And and this is one of the things I think that as a contracting officer, I used to kind of think I I was in a – I was in, in, in the black box trying to figure this thing out, and then I'd come out and say, hey, here's my tool, and the industry goes, oh, well, what about this? And you're like, oh, crap, I wish I'd have known that two months ago. Well, I probably should have asked, and I figured that out over time. And so when you're going through this exercise of deciding whether or not an indefinite delivery contract makes sense, ask industry because if they can't deliver – let me give you an example. The requirement is you need 200 a month. But you find out that of the small businesses that are out there that tell you that they can do this, you ask them a question. I'm going to need at least 200 a month, but I may have, I may need, have a need for 700 a month. From that 700, the companies that can't do the 700, they're going to come back and say, yeah, we can't do that. Or they're at least going to know I need to get a partner. 
to get this done. Or they might They're, say, we could do 500, but not 700. Is your, yeah. is your max really 700? Or did you just pick that? Could you make it 500 and then three more companies could play? Yeah. And, and the, it's funny, the, the downside of this is don't make that RFI so complex and cumbersome they're answering everything under the sun. Ask them that one question and make it really simple to get your feedback as you need it. So you know, think in smaller doses that happen faster. Why should industry care then? This is fun. You won a contract. Woohoo, you got the call. You have won an indefinite quantity contract. So you celebrate, right? You have a big win party. The business development people get all kinds of bonuses for bringing in the work. Woo, you won. So now you have a $0 contract. It's indefinite. Or maybe not $0. Maybe it's that $500 or $1,000 meaningless contract where you do the maintenance checkup. But there is no promise of any future work or deliveries. If you don't understand the user's actual needs and the budget and just the way the winds are blowing, is that budget going to stay around? You might have celebrated nothing. <laughs> or, or, and, and by the way, for those of you who are community members, this is why the first question in the RFP score is, how confident are you that the entire contract is funded? Because the risk of whether or not there's funding for the entire 5,000 units or whatever the, the indefinite quantity may be, that's a big deal in this type of contract especially. Like you said, you may end up with a contract that it's a, it's a license to wait. Right. Don't run out and buy the Mercedes or the <laughs> condo on the beach or whatever on an indefinite quantity contract. Or, or for that matter, don't go hire a whole bunch more people. Yeah. That, you don't, you don't know yet. You, Probably you a better example. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> you're making it sound like contractors are all evil and buy a Mercedes. Um, but this idea of don't, don't overstretch yourself. Do you have the ability to flex your cash flow to keep up with this? This is one of those things as a contracting officer I didn't think of. And, and for, those, for the contracting officers listening, this is a big one. Understand that a company may have to do things like get a line of credit to flex and keep up with this revenue when it comes up and down during a, a, this flow that we'll call these indefinite quantity contracts. Let me run through why industry cares about each type of indefinite contract that we've talked about. So definite quantity. Remember, you know the end result. You're going to get 5,000 medical kits, but you don't know the phasing of that cash flow or the delivery. Without knowing when you're going to deliver, you have to be prepared that it may not match what, what's optimal for you as a company to deliver. If it's a requirements contract, on the other hand, you don't even know how many you're going to end up having to deliver. You know the minimum and maximum. You don't know exactly how many it's going to be, and you don't know the timing of it. You know, all the orders are coming to you, but all the orders might be one. <laughs> yeah. For indefinite quantity, you really know nothing. The contract doesn't promise you anything here. Well, it promises you that minimum, the minimum order. So if in your radar array example, it promises you that you can send that guy out to do the preventative maintenance check or whatever it is. So there's your, there's your $500 promise. The rest is nothing. If nothing breaks on that system, there's no work coming in. And that's why industry should care. You have to understand indefinite means could be nothing. And this is a really big deal for contracting officer and, and contractor to understand that they need to communicate and know what's coming up. Because if there's a way to know, which there wouldn't be if it's a hurricane that blew the thing down, but if you know 
this is a problem we're having. This might be a project next month. That kind of communication can make the difference between the contractor being, holy crap, I, this is going to be a miserable experience for me to scramble versus knowing, okay, there's a problem coming up. There's a, there's a, a potential project coming. There's, there's a whiff of some funding coming for this. That conversation, the more often that happens, the easier this is going to be for both sides. Because what you don't want to have, while the contract allows for the contracting officer to just send you a order and say, okay, start working, if it's literally out of the blue, it's, it's not the best way to manage a contract. It, is, it, is it fitting here? Yes, but you need to be talking. And that's so industry cares about building that conversation and knowing how this contract type works so you know where your risks are, so you know what questions to ask the contracting officer so that they can give you the information you need so you're not cut flat-footed. So let's wrap this up. Government and industry should mutually take a look at the contract types available and to assess that best fit between the government's needs, how they're going to buy stuff, and the industry's capabilities to provide whatever the government needs. Flexibility is nice unless you're holding a wet noodle. It's you know, too much flexibility. So be very careful. You don't understand how to manage these, these contracts because they can, they can create a lot of flexibility for one side and be aware of how that works when you're on the other side. So if you don't spend time picking that right contract type and you have too much flexibility or too little or any of these other things, it can haunt you during execution. It really, really affects the execution and administration of the contract. And lastly, industry really has to understand indefinite. I know lots of small businesses come in say, we won. Just don't party too soon. These indefinite things, it really does mean indefinite. No promises. Okay, if you're enjoying the Contracting Officer Podcast, please tell a friend. If you're sailing on the ocean and you happen to be in <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's a great example. Yeah, right. Somehow you happen to have cell service. Plenty of time to relax and text a friend about the Contracting Officer Podcast. Remember that our topics are based on the kinds of things that people have told us that are misunderstandings between government and industry. If you have a good topic, send it to me, paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you need help with the government market, join the Skyway Connection community to get direct support. Indeed, the, the Skyway Connection community is an online, on-demand community that gives you access to a team of former contracting officers like us to help you with any aspect of the government market. It includes a library of blogs, webinars, Ask a Contracting Officer forum, the RFP score tool, and other stuff. So go to skywayacquisition.com slash connect, and you can also use the promo code podcast. If you want to learn more about it, you can contact Joe. You just call our 800 number, 877-884-5280, use extension 110. Thanks. All right, Kevin. I'll talk to you later. All right, see you next time. Okay, that's it for today's episode. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com.